Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello everyone, welcome back. We're back in the book of Deuteronomy. We're going to be putting in in verse in chapter 15, and uh, we'll go through chapter 16 today. Um, and as McGee said, today we're looking at God's poverty program. Um, every country has poor people. Um, doesn't matter where you go. South America, Africa, North America, uh, Europe. Uh, seems like whatever country you go to, on one side of town, there's a wealthy side, and on the other side of town, there's a poor side. And God was talking to the nation Israel. He was telling them that if you follow my commandments and you um, let your hearts love one another and be generous to one another, uh, there should be no poor people among you. God gets down as, as um, down to the nitty-gritty uh, as McGee uh, mentions here he taught he gets down where rubber meets the road he's he's giving a plan so that everybody will um, um, prosper together but of course uh, these verses sort of point to the also to the reality that the nation Israel will not be able to keep God's commands no nation uh, has been able to do it and uh, poverty uh, thus becomes a ultimate reality of the condition of the human heart to to not love one another and to not be generous to one another. So jump right in, chapter 15, verse 1. At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release. In other words, God is commanding you to be generous after seven years. In other words, debts are canceled after seven years. Can you imagine that? Your mortgage on your house is canceled after seven years. And this is the manner of the release. Every creditor shall release what he has lent to his neighbor. He shall not exact it of his neighbor and his brother. Because the Lord's release has been proclaimed. Okay? So the Lord is giving everybody a chance to get out of debt um, at the end of every seven years. Every creditor shall release what he has lent to his neighbor. He shall not exact it of his neighbor. Is 
his brother because the Lord's release has been proclaimed. Verse 3, of a foreigner you may exact it, but whatever is yours of yours is with your brother, your hand shall release. Verse 4, but they will be no poor among you, for the Lord will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance to possess. Possess. In verse 5, if only you will strictly obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all this commandment that I command you today. Okay, There should be no poor if you do what I tell you to do. Verse 6, for the Lord your God will bless you as he promised you, and you shall lend many nations, but you shall not borrow. You shall rule over many nations, but they shall not rule over you. It's a command, all this, to be generous. So debts aren't forever. Debts aren't for generations. Debts are for seven years, and that's it. You can't hold something over somebody. So you're giving everybody a chance to reset. You're giving everybody a chance to, you know, you, and you, you have to be careful when you start to lend because you know you're if you're going to lend something or sell somebody a piece of land, you're going to figure out, okay, you're going to pay me what you owe me for seven years, but I'm not going to charge you so much that you can't pay this thing off in in seven years. Beyond that, I'll let go. Now, it assumes the person is going to be having a good heart about making a selling price, and it's assuming that the person who's buying is going to work, even in the seventh year to, you know, fulfill what they do. So the condition of the human heart, now they're going to be conniving people, they're going to be lazy people, But God is commanding people, really it's a condition of the heart. And if the heart is correct, there should be no poor people among you. Verse 7, if among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. It's a command to be generous, isn't it? How convicting is that for all of us, even today? Take care lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart, and you say the seventh year, the year of release is near, and your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cried to the Lord against you, and you be guilty of sin. So in other words, you say, oh, it's almost time to, Release him anyway. Why should I give him something now? In a few more weeks, a few more months, or whatever it is, his debt's over with. And, you know, if he owes something, why should I help him now? Your heart, it's a condition of the heart. You shall, verse 10, you shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him Because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and all that you undertake. For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore I command you, you shall 
Open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. So now this says there shall never cease to be poor. And in verse 4 it said there will be no poor. Well, it sort of foreshadows that the nation is not going to keep strictly the voice of the Lord for this commandment. So he's saying this is what will happen if you do, but poor is going to be there, and it's sort of telling them that they're going to have the poor. It's going to be a problem because you're not going to be able to strictly be generous. Jumping down to verse 16, but if he says to you, I will not go out from you, and this is like a bondservant who is serving you because he can't pay off his debt. So one of the practices is, is you can you can be a bond you can be a servant to someone that you're borrowing from and then you release that servant after seven years. They've paid off their debt. But if he says, no, I don't want to go. I'm, I feel better off with you. You know, this, I will not go out from you because he loves you and your household. Since he is well off with you, then you shall take an awe and put it through his ear into the door and he shall be your slave forever. And to your female slave, you shall do the same. So you kind of put up something in his ear and that... Um, I would assume it's sort of like an earring that's a stud or something like that that people can identify that that's your property. That's your slave forever. If But it's a mutual decision. It's not a forced decision. And for some people, that worked out. Chapter 16, talking about celebrations. There were three main celebrations, um, which is uh, the Passover Feast, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Booths. Uh, observe the month of the Abib and keep the Passover to the Lord your God. For the in the month of the Abib, the Lord your God brought you out of the out of Egypt by night. This is the Passover. Down down to verse five. You may not offer the Passover sacrifice within any of your towns that the Lord your God is giving you, but at a place the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell in it. There you shall offer the Passover sacrifice in the evening at sunset at the time you came out of Egypt, and you shall cook it and eat it at the place that the Lord your God will choose. And in the morning you shall turn and Go into your tents. For six days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a solemn assembly to the Lord your God. You shall do no work on it. Okay, so he's talking about observing the Passover, the Feast of the Passover. Then we got the Feast of Weeks also called the Feast of the Harvest, also called the Feast of Pentecost. And Pentecost means seven weeks. So the Feast of the Weeks is celebrating from the first time the sickle is put to the standing grain. It's a it's a observation um, of the harvest. 
So you shall count seven weeks. Begin to count the seven weeks from the time the sickle is first put to the standing grain. And then verse 13, you shall keep the feast of booths seven days when you have gathered in the produce from your threshing floor and your wine press. In other words, it's the feast of booths. You're sort of eating this fruit in your in your little tents or your little booths. It's a summer feast. And in this feast, the law was to be read every seventh year. So they kind of erect these little tent-like booth things where they read the word, and then they, they can celebrate the produce, the fruit. Sort of remembering when the people were creating these little tents out in the wilderness, celebrating God's provision. Verse 16, three times a year all your males shall appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, at the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, which is the Passover, um, the Feast of the Weeks, and the Feast of Booze. They shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able according to the blessings of the Lord your God that he has given to you. So, Three times a year, you're remembering what God did. And every week, you're remembering what God did. So, it is to remember God's provision. Justice, you, uh, verse 18, you shall appoint judges and officers in all your towns that the Lord your God is giving you according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. Judgment, again, is looking towards the Lord Jesus. You shall not plant any tree as an Asherah beside the altar of the Lord your God that you shall make, and you shall not set up a pillar to which the Lord your God hates. What is he saying here? Um, don't put up any pagan worship items. Okay? So when he's talking about judges... They make a point about not perverting justice, having partiality, not accepting bribes. Justice, verse 20, and only justice shall follow, you shall follow, that you may live and inherit the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So we're going to stop here. God is painting a picture of how to live according to his principles. Something that convicts us today, and we need to hear this today as well. So for me to all of you, as always, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. And we'll see you here next time. Now we'll turn the rest of the podcast over to our co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Look forward to hearing your take on this study today. God bless you all again, and we'll see you next time tomorrow. Hello, so today's teaching is coming from Deuteronomy chapter 15, beginning at verse 1, all the way through to Deuteronomy chapter 16, verses 1 through to verse 22. So in this chapter, our subject is God's poverty program. So in our society today, we have a lot of poverty programs that 
you know, have never really worked for the benefit of the poor due to, you know, the um, greedy nature of man. But in God's poverty program, if man had just been obedient to God and followed it through, it's a program that um, actually works compared to, you know, the different angles and the different ways in, you know, in um, handling the poor people today. So scripture reads, verse 1, Deuteronomy chapter 15, at the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release of debts. So he's talking here about the sabbatic year, that's the seventh year. So every seventh seventh year, there was a debt release made. Verse 2 goes on to read, And this is the form of the release. Every creditor who has lent anything to his neighbor shall release it. He shall not require it of his neighbor or his brother, because it is called the Lord's release. So every seventh year, the land was to lie fallow. And, um, but, you know, there were certain conditions that meant that one couldn't, um, you know, from, one couldn't get take from a brother or a neighbor, you know, a mortgage that went beyond seven years. That is, if one uh forecloses on their property on their land rather in the seven years that's the sabbatic year that land or money one loaned um you know all of it was to be cancelled out so that they had to take that into consideration because it equalized the wealth of that day so it gave everyone an opportunity that was God's method of actually giving every man an opportunity who would actually work. So technically, here what it means is if one took out a mortgage um, and you know they, put, they took out a mortgage on their property or their land, you know when, it's the, when it came to the sabbatic cure. Um, that debt was actually released and it was squared off to zero. So that person didn't lose their land because that was, um, it was called the Lord's release. Verse 3 goes on to read, it, um, Of a foreigner you may require it, but you shall give up your claim to what is owed by your brother. So it would actually be impossible for a man... Um, for a man from a relative, neighbor, or friend to loan money if the man couldn't pay it in seven years. So it was cancelled out in seven years if you know you took out a loan. So the loan couldn't be more than seven years. So this always had to be taken into consideration. So it actually gave the poor man an opportunity that he didn't have 
you know, if he's unable to actually pay, you know, maybe fell on hard times and things like that. Um, so it gave him that breathing space, that opportunity. His debt, debt was squared off. Verse 4 goes on to read, except when there may be no poor among you, for the Lord will greatly bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess as an inheritance. So if this land, this had actually just been observed, this is what would have happened. So God promised these people material blessings. So it was God's intention there and then, um, had they actually obeyed him, that they would not be any poor people. So, uh, the poor would be taken care of. So today we have seen it uh, in our societies that there is... Um, you know, there's two sides, you know, these, you know, one, actually these rather one-sided extremes. So one side, we have extreme poverty and on the other side, we have extreme wealth and, you know, there's no balance and this is due to the sin of man. So had man actually obeyed God in this respect, there would have been no poor among them and we would have had a balance of wealth. Because man is so greedy, we can't have that balance of wealth. You know, until the heart of man is actually changed today, we will keep seeing the gap of the rich and the poor. Poverty can't be eliminated by putting certain physical things in the hands of people because people are greedy and are corrupt. So man's poverty program is far very far from god's program and if man had actually obeyed god and followed his commandments there would have been a balance of wealth it's not the system that's actually wrong today we can blame the system all we want we can say you know um it's it's socialism or you know it's, it's, it's communism and the socialism and the communism um that's actually just really bad but it's not the mechanisms that we put in place today. It's actually, the thing that's very wrong today is man. It's man that's wrong today until man changes. Any system won't actually work. Until man, you know, turns to God and obeys God. All these systems that are put in place will not, um, will not work. Verse 6 goes on to read, for the Lord your God will bless you just as he promised you. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. You shall reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over you. So here, the borrowing and the lending, this holds true. So this is true that this nation became the bankers of the world. For example, the Rothschilds. They have actually financed plenty nations. So this prophecy actually has been fulfilled. It has come true. And then um, you know, the reigning over other nations is not true right now. But it shall come to pass. So it has not yet been fulfilled because they have never obeyed God. And once they start obeying God, it will be fulfilled. Scripture goes on to read verse 7. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates, 
in your land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart, nor shut your hand from your poor brother. Verse 8. But you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. To the nation, when they were a nation, um, they never actually fully obeyed this command here. They never really fully obeyed it and they don't actually obey it today as well. So the nation Israel today probably actually receives from individuals throughout the world, from individuals from that country who are scattered, who are not scattered, living in other countries, throughout the world, more gifts, not charity, but they just receive more gifts, grants, and donations than any other people, actually, or nations receive. So these people are giving millions, billions, to the nation Israel. Um, because God actually taught them at the very beginning that they are to take care of their own brothers. And it would be nice if believers, Christians, actually did this. So this was actually given to believers as well. And God carries over certain principles from one dispensation to another. And today believers, you know, they are not the same. They are not in the same league when it comes to giving wise or helping you know, their fellow brethren. They are not in the same league um, as the Israelites are. Verse 9 goes on to read, Beware, lest there be a wicked fault in your heart, saying, the seventh year, the year of release, is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. So if the seventh year here was actually coming up, one was going to be free anyways, of it, technically not like the cheats and the lazy people and you know the lender shouldn't actually say why should i actually step in and help to pay off his mortgage and pay off his property so god says help a brother out verse 10 goes on to read you shall surely give to him and your heart should not be breathed when you give to him because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to watch you put your hand. For the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore I command you saying, you shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor and your needy. In your hand, in your land, rather, sorry. So God says you shouldn't have um, the poor among you because if you obey me, you won't have poor people among you. But God says, I know you, and you will always have the poor in your land. You know, like Lord Jesus Christ told the disciples, you know, the poor you shall always have, and me you won't have all the time. So if man you know, was not so stiff-necked and hard-hearted. We wouldn't have the poor amongst ourselves. We would have compassion towards the poor and help one another out. But everyone is 
self-centered and covetous and they just think of themselves greedy and corrupt. Okay, now we are going to drop down to verse 16 and in verse 16 we have the law of uh, this perpetual servant. And here verse 16 reads, And if it happens that he says to you, I will go, I will not go away from you because he loves you and your house since he prospers with you, then you shall take an awl and thrust it through his ear in to the door, and he shall be your servant forever. Also to your female servant you shall do likewise. So here we have the law, like I said, of the perpetual servant. So this is a slave. And this will be true if a man actually had come through and married a girl who was a slave already. And he had actually sold himself to um, his master to become a slave. And he could go out free, but he says he doesn't actually want to go out free. He wants um, to be with his wife because uh, if he marries uh, one of his master's slaves, he can only go out alone when his time is done and the, the wife has to remain and he can choose to actually remain with the wife and to stay with her. So what we have here is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says in Philippians 2, he took upon himself the form of a servant so he came down to the earth to make himself in the likeness of sinful man but he was holy harmless and undefiled and separate from sinners so he could have actually gone out free and he owed no debt of sin uh, he was no sinner he and didn't have to actually pay a penalty but he said i love the church that's the bride so he actually gave himself for it okay so we get to chapter 16 and chapter 16 here um we're looking at the feasts that were there and they were three main feasts and uh they were you know, all the meals at the you know would actually go for these feasts. They were actually required to go at these feasts, and these feasts were the Passover, the Pentecost, the sorry, the Passover feast, the feast of Pentecost, and the feast of Tabernacles. And uh, verse one reads: Observe the month of Abib, and take and keep the Passover to the Lord your God, for in the month of Abib. Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night. Dropping down to verse 5, it reads, You may not sacrifice the Passover within any of your gates which the Lord your God gives you. So, yeah, which the Lord your God gives you, verse 6. But at the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide, and you shall sacrifice the Passover at twilight, at the going down of the sun, at the time you came out of Egypt, and you shall roast and eat it in the place which the Lord your God chooses, and in the morning you shall turn and go to your tents. 
Verse 8, six days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a, a sacred assembly to the Lord your God. You shall do no work on it. Okay. So here he gives instruction for the Passover. So this was the pass this was the Passover and it was always to be observed in one place that and that was in Jerusalem. That's the place where the Lord chose and all the males went up to Jerusalem at that time. Verse nine goes on to read You shall count seven weeks for yourself. Begin to count the seven weeks from the time you begin to put the sickle on the grain. So what we have here is Pentecost because it was actually 50 days. They numbered seven weeks, which would be 49. So the 50th day, that's the that's Pentecost. <clears throat> that was the day of Pentecost. Mm, so they would count the Passover feast that's uh, 49 49 49 days and the 50th that was Pentecost and then the next day yeah would be Pentecost verse 13 dropping down to verse 13 verse 13 reads you shall observe the feast of tabernacles seven days when you have gathered from your threshing floor and from your wine press so here this was the feast where they were to come to jerusalem that is the males so three times and and they were to come three times a year verse 16 goes on to read dropping down so three times a year all your males shall appear before the lord your god in the place which he chooses for the feast of unleavened bread this is a passover the Feast of Weeks, that's Pentecost, and at the Feast of Tabernacles, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Verse 17, because when we read, every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. So they were to come with joy before the Lord. So those are the three things for the three feasts. So this chapter now here we see it actually closes with the judges. And we have this in verse 18 says, You shall appoint judges and officers in all your gates, which the Lord your God gives you according to your tribes. And they shall judge the people with just judgment. So the courthouse in that day was not, you know, a building in town, in the center of town, like the center courthouse. So it was at the edge of town where the gate was that was in the wall around the city. And the reason for this is that the place where all the citizens sooner or later went in, um, you know, at these gates around around the walled city. So it was the gathering place. Verse twenty one and twenty two goes on to read: You shall not plant for yourself any tree. Um, 
or groves, rather, in other translations, as a wooden image near the altar which you build for yourself to the Lord your God. You shall not set up a sacred old pillar which the Lord your God hates. So here, the trees, groves, were actually connected with idolatry and sinful worship in that day. And for this reason, they were not to make groves where the altars and images and idols were made um, to heathen and pagan gods. Just like um, way back um, in the early uh, Christian, you know, Christianity in um, England and Europe, they used to worship Druids. That was more like groves. That's where this was actually hailed from. So, yeah, this is our teaching for today. Thank you all for listening in. God bless you all and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails.